Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. There are two main stages of pain. The acute stage, which means that you're experiencing pain for less than 12 weeks, and the chronic stage, which is pain lasting more than 12 weeks. The acute stage of pain usually occurs following an actual tissue injury or irritation, and this presents with tissue swelling, redness, tenderness, and increased heat around injured area. It could be due to trauma or overuse. And tissues usually heal within six to eight weeks after injury, and perhaps a little bit longer as we get older. And most tissues will actually will heal within this time frame, and pain should go down even without an intervention. If we know that tissue usually heals within 12 weeks, then why is it that people still feel pain once we transition to the chronic stage? Well, there are a bunch of mechanisms at work, but one factor that I found that is consistent that contributes to chronic pain, especially when it comes to sciatica, is inappropriate management. I say inappropriate management versus poor management for two reasons. One, it is ethical practice in healthcare to do no harm. And two, every practitioner, even myself, is limited by knowledge and the experience that we have. Today, I'm actually going to share with you the exact process that I went through to help a young woman who was experiencing chronic sciatica pain for three years and more, even with multiple sessions with chiropractors and physical therapists. I have three major goals for today's episode. One, to provide you hope that pain relief is in fact possible, even after years of pain. Educate you on what the best action steps are for pain relief. And three, empower you to take pain relief into your own hands should you choose to work on this solo. Now, I had the opportunity to work with a young lady who was experiencing sciatica pain for three plus years. It all started with a jarring fall while skiing. A few years back, this 37-year-old woman had a patch of ice and fell down straight on her butt or tailbone. Luckily, her bindings unclipped and she was able to actually escape her skis without any sort of other damage to her knees or your hips. But later that evening, she started to feel the sciatica pain creep down into her leg. It all started off at her low back and then traveled down the back of her leg into the foot and calf on the left side. Now it wasn't too bad, but it also wasn't good either. And she didn't really make anything of it and then went home as it was the end of her trip. And then a few days later, without any additional exercises, stretches, or stress, she started to feel the pain intensify closer to about a 7 to 8 out of 10, so it was a pretty high intense rating. With pain that high, she sought out the help from a chiropractor. She was adjusted and then proceeded to attend chiropractic care for about six months with little to no relief. She wasn't provided any exercises or guidelines outside of the sessions themselves. Frustrated with the lack of progress, she then sought the help out of a local physical therapist. She was given some stretches, exercises, massaging of the low back muscles, and electrical stimulation at every treatment session. 
She felt a little bit of relief and she was given some action steps to follow when outside of physical therapy. However, she was not 100% pain-free. In fact, she was only about 40% better. Unfortunately, with insurance companies, the moment that they see any plateau in progress, they stop approving visits. Because with insurance companies, every physical therapy or chiropractic visit costs them money. And if there is little to no improvement, then there is no reason to continue care. Also, after about six months of treatment, this client was pretty much frustrated that she only had about a 50% reduction in her pain. So she got discharged or left physical therapy and managed to live with this pain on her own. About a year later, she found her podcast, the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, and got a little bit more hope about recovery. Now, here's where it gets really fun. Even before we had our first session, our initial consultation, I learned that I can actually even help her. I had to find out a little bit more information. And these are the questions that should actually be asked of you before going through any sort of point of care, as these are the same questions that actually get asked in our sciatica pro protocol, a program for sciatica pain relief that is delivered directly through your phone. You no longer need to wait for a practitioner to get help, and you're actually going to go through the same step-by-step -step process that I'm going through to help my clients live pain-free. All you need to do to check out the sciatica protocol is actually click on the link in the description, which you can take the free nine-question quiz to see if we can help you. And after that, it's only $24.99 per week, and you can cancel at any time. Even doing a whole month of this program is actually going to be a fraction of the cost of a copay or a set of doctor's visits with 10 times the results. So here are nine questions you can ask yourself, which I ask my clients. And these questions help us understand if there is or isn't a medical issue causing your sciatica pain. We're going to start off at, since the onset of your symptoms, have you experienced nausea or vomiting, unexplained night sweats, pain that wakes you up in the middle of the night? And if that's the case, is it the same pain that wakes you up? Fever, sweats, or chills? Malaise, also known as a general feeling of being unwell, unexplained weight loss or gain, complete loss of sensation or function of any of your extremities, like your arms or your legs, and finally, any sort of numbness or tingling in your pelvic floor, and this includes any sort of changes in your bowel or your bladder function. If you answered yes to any of these questions that I've just asked or you just asked yourself, I recommend you getting an evaluation from a doctor first before starting any exercise or therapy program. We wanna rule out any sort of medical condition that could be causing your pain. But if you answer no to all of them or you're actually cleared to start a program, then let's move on. After working with multiple practitioners, this woman was actually familiar with the typical movement assessment of the spine bend forward, bend backwards, side bend to the right, side bend to the left, look over your right shoulder, look over your left shoulder. But what she wasn't used to was all the questions that I was actually prepared to ask her to formulate my plan for her. You see, when I meet someone who's been experiencing pain and worked with practitioner after practitioner, I have to get an understanding of what went well and also what went wrong. 
a large part of pain management is finding out what makes a client feel better, worse, or the same. And that's it. The simple structure of pain relief is answering the question, what makes you feel worse? What makes you feel better? And what doesn't change your symptoms at all? And when you're in pain, the first step to pain management is to reduce your pain. It's not to focus on why your muscles are tight. It's not to focus on strengthening weak muscles. Although they can be involved, tight muscles, weak muscles, or poor posture can either be a result or the cause of your pain. And if we try to address them right away, we could be missing some very valuable information. So let's get back to it. At the end of the consultation, I knew, not just from an opinion, but based on my experience that I can help with. So we scheduled our actual evaluation. And at that evaluation, this is what we did. We first took a baseline measurement of pain. From scale zero to 10, 10 being the worst pain ever, zero being no pain at all. We also had to ask the question, well, what does the pain feel like? Where is the pain located? What's the size of the area of pain? Now, most issues with sciatica span a variety of locations on the back, starting from the low back and traveling all the way down to the leg and the foot. And we also had to lay out some ground rules and expectations so that we were both on the same page. We had to clarify the difference between feeling better, worse, and the same as this would drive the movement and momentum of the program. Feeling better means a reduction in your pain intensity, a reduction in the area of pain, as well as an upwards movement of the pain location closer towards your spine, and we call this centralization of symptoms. Another commonly overlooked improvement of symptoms is the change in the pain type based on the level of nerve irritation. And it looks like this. Complete nerve irritation would be numbness and muscular weakness. At this point, we need to rule out any sort of fracture or cancers that are causing this before proceeding. From there, as a the nerve regenerates and heals, which it can, there is going to be a production of pins and needles or burning type of sensation. And then as we get better, we're looking at achiness or soreness in the area. And then lastly, tightness before we actually have a complete resolution of pain. And the great news is that you can jump around. You can skip those levels and go from pins and needles to complete pain relief. And that's just something that you have to keep in mind, especially when you're moving. Feeling the same literally means there's no change in your symptoms. And then feeling worse is the exact opposite of feeling better, meaning that the pain gets closer to a 10, the area expands down to your extremities farther away from the spine, and the pain travels further down your leg, and the pain intensifies. So we figured out that actually forward bending makes the pain worse, as well as laying on the opposite side of symptoms, aka the right. She also didn't have much improvement of her symptoms, with any other positions. She did note that in the past that she was given McKenzie-based extension exercises, which include a standing back bend and a cobra press-up, which actually didn't increase or decrease her pain, and she did not lose or notice any sort of loss of strength in her legs. The next step is the posture assessment. Now, let's just clarify that these sessions are done via Zoom camera. 
I'm not actually there in person with them. So I actually had to have them pull their clothes tight so I can actually see their shoulders and where they are in relation to their hips. To avoid an overcorrection, I actually have my clients or have this client do a little shake before standing up because every time someone says posture assessment, people have a tendency to overcorrect. I want to make it known and say for the record that there actually is no such thing as perfect posture. However, you can spend too much time in one posture or position, which can increase the likelihood of aches and pains associated with that specific position. The first thing during a posture assessment is identifying any sort of asymmetries. And with one-sided pain like sciatica, I often look for a shift, a side-to-side, -side, or rotation of the spine before implementing any other movements. And it's important because we think before we implement any other sort of other movements, we need to correct these shifts and asymmetries. Now, it turns out that this client's shoulders were actually shifted to the right away from the side of pain. And I've asked her, have any of the practitioners that you've worked with in the past have told you that your shoulders are shifted over to one side? And she replied, no. So this is one thing that I knew that I can change differently. And the next step is taking a range of motion measurements. With my experience in sciatic pain, it's mostly related to spine issues. So I first start off at looking at forward bending, backward bending, leading to the right, leaning to the left, rotating right, rotating left, and taking note of limitations of range and how the symptoms behave with this motion. If I was with them, I would also check the strength of their hips and legs, but since this is a Zoom session, I really can't manually test these muscle groups with my hands. So at this point, I would actually have the client establish their own baseline of strength based on how they're feeling. And she said that there were no strength deficits. So baseline pain at this point was a five to six out of 10 that started at the low back and radiated down the back of the left calf and top of the foot. I also took into account the exercises that were provided for the client when they're coming to me. For this client, she was doing back extensions, prone press-ups, and bridges. And these exercises didn't really do much from a pain relief standpoint. And I needed to ensure that they were first doing these exercises correctly. Usually that's the first line of defense from a practitioner if the exercise is not helping out with pain. We took a deeper look and the extension-based exercises were performed correctly. So we didn't really need to change the execution of the exercises. However, since she wasn't feeling any sort of improvement in her symptoms, I had to ask the big question, what is missing? What are these other practitioners not seeing during her course of care? And my treatment follows a core of five principles. The first one is going to be rolling out red flags. Is there anything that's causing this pain that cannot be addressed through movement? Number two, we have to find out the positions that both improve or worsen, improve and worsen the symptoms. Number three, we have to correct the shift if there is one. Number four, we have to implement and follow the movements that reduce or completely get rid of the pain. And then number five, we have to reintroduce regular movements based on the desired activity levels. So remember how I said that our shoulders were shifted over to the right, shifted away from the pain? We have to correct that shift. So that's what we did. We did what is called a lateral shift correction, where she simply pushed her shoulders over and to the left to the side of symptoms. 
And you can do this by actually taking your hand, putting it on your hips and pushing it in the direction to get your shoulders and your hips aligned. We actually had a 50% reduction in pain with this simple motion. Now, if this was a case where she was experiencing pain for a few days to a few weeks, then I would actually wanna push further into a range of motion to add some other exercises, try to get her to a full zero out of 10 pain. However, since this pain has been present for over three years and we've reached the chronic stage, we have to understand that chronic pain relief might take a little bit of time when a nerve is irritated for that long. So on that first visit, we focus on reducing the shift and incorporating some core strengthening to ensure that there would be minimal movement at the spine and present, prevent the shift from happening again. The next visit, we noticed that the pain was down to about a one out of two out of 10, which is great. And she started to feel a little bit more sensation in her leg. as she stated that there was originally some numbness in the foot and now it was burning, but wasn't too bad. This is an indicator that the nerves are getting less irritated and they're healing and that they're regenerating. And this is a great sign. The shift was corrected this time and now it's time to move on. Now I could have focused on that lateral shift a little bit more, but my concern is doing too much of a shift that her shoulders would actually get pressed to the other side and we would have another issue. And yes, that can for sure happen. So we kept that shift in our back pocket. We retried back extensions, but that still had no effect on symptoms, even after 20 repetitions. So now we had to look at another, uh, another plane of motion, which is called rotation. We rotated left towards the symptoms. There was no effect. Even after 10, there was nothing. We then rotated right away from the symptoms and boom, we had a complete resolution of symptoms. Now we were onto something. I needed to redo this rotation again to confirm. And still we had a complete resolution of symptoms and the shift was still gone. Okay. So our homework after that session was a shift correction and rotation away from the side of pain. We were able to actually accomplish way more in two weeks for two sessions than what she did over the past three years. All because I asked the big question, what is missing? So now that we found the positions and movements that brought the pain down, then our next big focus is returning to normal day activities and exercise. This is where the strengthening and stretching really occurs. We looked at all the activities that this client wanted to get back into doing, and we broke each activity down into individual components. It turns out that they were actually so scared of bending forward that every time that she had to do it, she would arch her spine and default into her shifted position because that's all she knew in regards to what made her feel the safest. So we need to retrain her and the brain to feel confident and safe in forward bending. And that's when I actually taught her how to properly hinge at the hips and focus on using her hips to move around. You see, the key to spinal stability is not just a rigid core, but to allow the hips to move. Think about the concept of a rigid core on a flexible hip. And the rest is history. We worked on strengthening and proper movement patterns to ensure that this pain would not come on again. Now, keep in mind, if you've been in pain for 12 weeks or more, you're probably experiencing a very, you, you will probably experience a very similar flare-up in the future. But the good news is that 
during the first two weeks, which focus on symptom management, they are the key to relief. So we will always have that in our back pocket of care. As in, if you ever experience a flare-up, do those first set of exercises to reduce your pain because we know they work. So as you can see, even if you've been pain for years and worked with practitioner after practitioner, there is hope to recovery. When working with a specialist like myself or others, our jobs are to ask the right questions, get the right information, and then ask, what are we missing? And the key to your relief is finding out, again, what makes you feel better so you can do more of that. Ask yourself, what makes you feel worse? Do less or modify those activities. If you can answer these questions that I just asked, you are 50% of the way there. And the next steps is to capitalize on that information. You can work directly with me virtually or in person if you're living in Marin County. And you can book directly with me for your first consultation call on our website, ifixyoursciatica.com. On that website, you have a couple different options for help. You can download my free eBooks, work with me one-on-one, -on -one, or you can take the tools for yourself and go through our newest program, the Sciatica Protocol, where you can get the same process of treatment that I use to help my clients all delivered through your phone. You no longer have to wait for a practitioner nor spend an excessive amount on copays and sessions. And take this program wherever you go because it will live on your phone and you don't even have to download an app. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.